today on CityCast Madison. How would you describe a beaver? I'd probably say a bushy, strong-tooth rodent who can swim. The state of Wisconsin, on the other hand, might sooner say a nuisance in need of population control. Beavers are removed and killed by the thousands across the state. And here in Madison, both our Parks Department and UW-Madison pay trappers to remove beavers from their property. Meanwhile, there's a global trend moving to protect the animals because they help fight climate change. So what gives with the bad rep? We talked to Susan Lampert-Smith, who wrote all about it in Isthmus. It's Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. I read your article, and I learned that beavers are not so beloved in Madison and also not across the state. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, beavers globally, I'd say, are really having a moment. Um, They're trying to bring them back all over Europe and at least in England and Scotland and the British Isles. On the West Coast, California just this summer um, upgraded beavers to a keystone species, which means they're important for the ecosystem there. And it gives them some level of protection. Wisconsin, on the other hand, (laughs) is taking a different view of those little furry rodents. What's being done to beavers here locally? I'd say that the two big landowners of Madison places that beavers would like to be are the university, which has the lakeshore and the arboretum, and then the Madison parks, which of course have, you know, Tenney Park and Warner Park and the Hare Hills Golf Course, all of which have had beavers removed from them in the last year or two. Why are they being targeted? As I learned, beavers have a very important thing in common with humans. and We're the only two species that actively alter our environment to make it the way we like it. Oh. But how beavers would like their environment would be cut down the trees and make dams and flood things. And if you're running a <laughs> golf course or a park, um, maybe you don't want that so much. Yeah, I heard something happened at the Yahara Golf Park. Yeah, they had a bunch of beavers. I think they trapped four of them out of there last year is what the parks department told me. And I don't think they got relocated, although they were a little hazy on that point. You know, you can do a live trapping and send them somewhere else or... The leg hole traps basically drowned them underwater. So it's kind of a, a gruesome way to go if you're a beaver. Oh my gosh. Or a person. Yeah, that is kind of gruesome. I don't really think about beavers very often, but I was really shocked to hear that they're being targeted like systematically, you know, for removal. And also possibly it sounds like killing, even here in Madison. That's what some people think, right? Yeah certain parks with the city and also I think UW too they they don't want them around so they're removing them at least from what I understand that they might not just be removing them and taking them to another place but possibly you know taking them out permanently yeah I don't have any firsthand evidence I've only talked to people that you know think they know what's going on so we have to be a little careful um the parks department did tell me that they that they relocated some of the beavers so mm-hmm I'll believe them if they said that was true. Um, You know, I spoke to a guy who's um, an environmental engineer. 
you know, Madison's not doing this, but other cities like Seattle are. There are devices that let you live and coexist with beavers. And these things have a couple different names. I, the funny one is the beaver deceiver, but otherwise engineers call them flow devices. And they're a little thing that they stick into the beaver dam that allows a fair amount of water to come through, so it reduces the flooding. But it 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 shoots it out in a subtle way, so the beaver doesn't grasp the idea that there's a hole in his dam and get to work patching it. So the beavers are happy because they think their dam is working, and the people are happy because the dam's not working that much, and they all can live together merrily. So he wants to install those, and he's approached. Um, you know, he he works with landowners, but he said, you know, he would love to do it for the university, but they haven't wanted to do it. And he said the DNR, which regulates anything you do in a waterway, has made it hard to get permits to install these things. He said it's much easier to get a permit to kill a beaver than to install a flow device that would preserve the beavers and the people's property. So it sounds like they are kind of a menace to some. Um, but this is a part of a much broader issue across the state. And there's a long history of forced removal and killing and blowing up beaver dams and that sort of thing used to be more public from what I understand that that was the thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I remember many years ago when I worked at the Wisconsin State Journal, the DNR guys would call up the newsroom and say, hey, want to send a photographer? We're going to blow up some beaver dams. And I mean, they would put dynamite in them and blow them up to the sky. And of course, you know, it did make a pretty good picture. So I, I'm pretty sure we did cover that a few times. Um, they're still taking up beaver dams, but I don't think, I think they kind of see that maybe it's not a great PR move anymore. A little gauche at this point. They're environmentalists, you know, who are concerned about the fact that there are so many beavers being killed. It's Bob Boucher, and he's definitely the number one beaver believer in the state of Wisconsin. He runs an environmental consulting firm, um, and he has, you know, he wrote a big environmental assessment of the Milwaukee River watershed a few years ago with a couple of UW Milwaukee professors that estimated that if you reintroduce beavers to the Milwaukee River upstream, they they would provide for free millions of dollars of flood control and um, other benefits, creating wetlands. That's what beavers do the best is they go in there, they make their dam, they make a wetland. Um, the fish are mostly fine with it because they can get through the dams. It creates some warmer, shallow water for reptiles and amphibians. They love that. It creates some colder water for the cold water fish. Um, animals like it. So beavers are really good for local biodiversity and you know, that's the kind of work that if the DNR did it, it would cost a lot of money and bulldozers and, you know, concrete and things like that. So they kind of do the work for free if you let them. I don't know if everyone knows this, but Madison was a swamp before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you were mentioning... Some of the other states, you know, on the West Coast are actually advocating and trying to promote beaver populations there to help preserve those kinds of spaces. Beavers are good for the watershed, but there's this longstanding idea that they're not. And this Bob Boucher um, says using he used uh, Department of Ag Wildlife Services statistics that said that 
there were almost 30,000 beavers killed yeah. since 2013. Yeah, and those are just the beavers that were killed that they documented. The state DNR contracts with the feds to take out the beavers, specifically on rivers that are considered um, good for trout, because their feeling is they impede the water, they warm it up, they make it less great for trout. And so the trout are a economically important species. The DNR gets money from what's called the trout stamp, that if you want to go fishing for trout, you have to buy one. And so they put that money back into stream renovation and restoration. And one of their things they do is get rid of beaver dams if they think they're causing problems. Bob referred to it as a beaver holocaust. He gets pretty upset about this. Um, but they've killed a lot of beavers, and they also accidentally killed, you know, over a thousand river otters, which everybody loves otters. They're so cute, and, you know, although they do eat trout too. But they, you know, they accidentally kill a bunch of other furry animals in their traps too. So, but the thing is, like, even that 30,000 figure those are only the ones they're killing. They don't keep any track at all of what private landowners are doing. You don't really, you don't need a permit to kill the beaver and you don't, um, they don't track it. And there's even a crazy old Wisconsin state law that says that if you have beavers on your property and I'm your neighbor, I can go onto your property without your permission and kill those beavers. That's wild. I don't think any other state has a law like this. I assume it it gets at the idea that your beavers could be flooding my property, but it doesn't. You don't even have to prove that. You could just be like, "Hey, I hate beavers, and I'm coming over and killing yours." So obviously, that's a issue that you know, if you were a conservationist and you were happy watching your little beavers play on your property, and then one day they all get whacked by your neighbor. I mean, that's kind of hard to contemplate. It's kind of dark-sided, but it sounds like the the lobby for anti-beaver pro-trout has been strong and, and long-running <laughs> um, in terms of some of the trout streams. And then it also sounds like, you know, people in their private property also just they don't want the risk of uh, anyone gunking up their streams or possibility of flooding, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, what I've heard is that even the Trappers Association kind of thinks the DNR has gone overboard on this. So really? Yeah, I have I couldn't get a hold of that guy. But there was a big trapping fest held at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds earlier this summer. And Bob Boucher, the beaver believer was there. And he said he was talking to the trappers. And they think that the DNR needs to do a better job protecting the population too. So that is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you need an odd book to read sometime, I really recommend Beaverland by Lila Phillips. It's it, it, She gets into the issue all across the U.S. She interviewed Bob in there. That's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do a story with him. But she spent quite a lot of time with a trapper who, you know, taught her how to trap, how to clean fur, how to, you know, she'd go to trapper conventions and trade furs with them. Because that's, that's how beavers got almost wiped out in the first place, was they were very valuable for beaver hats were like the thing in the 18th and 19th centuries. And as soon as the explorers got to the North America, they went, whoa, look at all those beavers. So they 
created the trade routes, started trading with the, you know, the Native American tribes. And then that, of course, the greed for beavers and controlling the waters led to the Indian people getting pushed um, out of their ancestral land. But beavers kind of drove that process. They also created one of the great original American fortunes, which would be the Astors. You know, if you've heard of Astor Place in New York is a subway station where they have beaver tiles in a in homage to how the family made its money originally. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, a lot of the original explorers in Wisconsin were working for the Northwest Trading Company or whatever the name the Astors had for and they were, you know, trying to connect the Great Lakes to the Mississippi in order to bring out the most beaver pelts they possibly could. Yeah, by the time fashions changed at the beginning of the 20th century, beavers had been really wiped out in Europe and very decimated in North America. So how are the populations now? I guess we have to ask that. Yeah, they've started, they've they've come back, and especially in places that are very good for beavers, like Wisconsin, where we have all this water, they, they came back all on their own here. In the Western states, it was more of it was harder to get them reestablished. And if you, this is like crazy, but there you can find these old pictures um, on the internet. They actually parachuted beavers into the Rocky Mountains to try to get them reestablished in these really remote areas. Um, it's called beaver bombing, and uh, <laughs> I guess it oh kind my of, gosh, it kind of worked. <laughs> <laughs> They're parachuting beavers into other states, and we're not really appreciating them so much in Wisconsin, it sounds like, and in, in Madison. Um, they seem like, I guess, a nuisance to folks. Yeah, I, th- I think they're seen that way. So how are the beavers impacting climate change? Like, what are, what are they doing when they're working away, and how is it helpful? They do a couple things. Emily Fairfax, who's a professor at Minnesota, did a lot of her beaver research in the Western states. And she's got some great photos and videos on her on her research site. Um, you'll have this dry, arid mountain region like picture Montana or Idaho, and everything is brown and gray. But if you look at an aerial photo, the, air, the area around the streams that the beavers had dammed are bright green. And after a forest fire, that's the only part that doesn't burn. So it creates a refuge for the other animals that are fleeing the fire. And what the beavers do is they help hold the water on the land. If you don't have beavers, it rains in the mountains and it just shoots right down the river. And pretty soon, you know, it's in the Colorado River and it's not up on the slopes where it can do some benefit. Yeah, well, it really jumps out at me. And I remember seeing quotes from Miss Fairfax is the idea of ecological amnesia. That's a quote from her. I'm thinking about what kind of assessments, how do we know what might happen? What would a day without a beaver look like? You know, but here in Madison, we've had issues with flooding. We're not immune to those sorts of things. So how do we know um, what it would be without them? Yeah. I mean, if you look at old maps of Madison, that whole part of the isthmus down, you know, from the Yahara, that whole area, probably up to where the Sylvie is, was a swamp. There's old maps that show, you know, little cattail symbols down there. And then when they wanted to build on it, they drained, they drained the swamp, as as they like to say. 
But the problem is it's still very low. So five years ago when we had that horrendous rain in August, and I don't know if you were in town then, but but there was like 10 inches of water standing down there. And, you know, there, there are a number of reasons for that. But the main reason is that that was a swamp and it's a low point. So there were a lot more areas like that. And this article doesn't get into it, but the real drivers of getting rid of beavers in their wetlands were, were more farmers and agriculture because once they drained those areas, they could plant corn on them or, you know, whatever was the popular crop at the time. So I think a lot more wetlands were destroyed in the name of agriculture. But, you know, we destroyed the wetlands, a lot of them around Madison to build on them. So development, agriculture, the trout are kind of a, a minor issue, but they're, that's where the active traffic is going on right now. The beaver believer, Bob Boucher, with Superior Bioconservancy, is suing the USDA for their guidelines around beaver removal, saying their assessment is outdated. And I understand there's an update. Yeah, they said, we know it's outdated, so we're going to redo our environmental assessment so more accurately reflects the number of beavers because... They're killing way more beavers than they said they were going to kill. And so it doesn't jive with what their plan was. So I guess they're going to redo their plan. And I I don't know if they're just going to say, now we're going to kill twice as many so that it matches reality. Or maybe, you know, maybe they've had some second thoughts. But I don't know. I heard that the, the meeting in Hayward was pretty testy um, towards Dr. Fairfax and some of the people that think it's time for a redo of some of our policies. So doesn't sound like, you know, minds were changed much from what, I, from what I heard. Yeah. And the meeting in Hayward was specifically about how beavers are impacting trout, right? Yeah. They have this uh, trout workshop every August um, somewhere in northern Wisconsin, and they look at a bunch of different issues. But this year just happened to be the beaver issue. And um, I know Bob went, he wasn't on the agenda. They didn't let him talk. And Dr. Fairfax was there, and she got a pretty hostile reaction. What made Trout King? Um, yeah, well, or the DNR the king. Um, but I think they feel that they, you know, that they they know best, and we should keep our nose out. But I don't know. It's interesting to see that there's been a reassessment of the importance of beavers everywhere except here. <laughs> so right. maybe we're a little behind the times. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have any sense that there might be change from the city or state to rethink how beavers are treated? It's hard to know because um, the DNR wouldn't talk to me for the article because of the pending lawsuit. I can't talk to you if there's going to be legal action. Uh, the city didn't sound, the parks people didn't sound super hostile towards beavers. It sounded like they were trying to live with them a little bit. It would be neat to see a demonstration project in Madison where you let the beavers exist, maybe put in one of these flow devices and, and you know, just see if if you can live with them or not. Well, Susan, this was such an interesting thing. I had no idea that beavers were not popular. I had heard of beaver hats, but that it goes on today and that many are being killed uh, more than we thought. I know. Maybe we'll turn you into a beaver believer. <laughs> I think I am. I'm a beaver believer. Bianca the beaver believer. <laughs> I like it. You can get a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It was fun. That's Susan Lampert-Smith. 
freelance science writer. If you'd like to read her article, go check out our show notes for a link. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Building construction. Today, Tuesday, you can go check out the building that will soon become Madison's year-round public market. It's a celebration. The Ready, Set, Market open house will mark the progress on the project so far, hosting vendors, food trucks, and live music. The location is on the east side at 202 First Street in a former men's shelter, and before that, the city's fleet building. The city plans to invest around 20 million in this effort, with a groundbreaking later this year and an opening mid-2025. If you want to attend the open house, we'll toss a link to that in our show notes. And pine cones. The DNR is looking for help in collecting red pine cone seeds. This is to aid the state's reforestation efforts for Wisconsin's most logged timber, red pine. Many of our red pine forests are currently reaching maturity and are being harvested. The DNR wants pine cones from natural habitats though, so not your city backyard. And they'll pay. If you'd like to learn more on how you can get involved, go check out our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with the busiest beaver in your life? Hey, maybe you'll make them a believer of CityCast Madison. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, 